Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 550 with Karen Okonowitz. Because as humans, you know, as, as humans, I think there's this innate feeling of you don't want to feel shame. You don't want to feel foolish. You don't want to feel stupid. Some people don't have that. Some people are just inquisitive about the world in general and ask a ton of questions all the time. But I think for so many of us, it's hard to say, I don't know how to do this thing. And I have, you know, I know it's such a, such a cliche, get, you know, get really uncomfortable, comfortable with being uncomfortable. But now I, now I, this far into, into the process of opening Fox and the Knife, you know, I say all the time, if I don't know something, I say, I don't know what that word means. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cashflow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Until now, welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Karen Akonowitz. Karen, are you feeling unstoppable today? Every day, my friend. Every <laughs> yes, single day. That is what I like to hear. So hailing from New Jersey, Karen Akonowitz started her career as a cook at the beloved 10 Tables restaurant in Jamaica Plain. She would go on to cook at Via Mata in Boston's Back Bay, where she met restaurateur and future business partner Christopher Myers. After living and cooking in Italy for a year, Akonowitz returned to Boston to continue working in some of the city's finest restaurants, including Myers and Chang, as the chef and partner, where she would become a three-time James Beard nominee for Best Chef Northeast. And in 2018, she took the title Best Chef Northeast. Congratulations on that. And today, Economist is working on her first solo restaurant project, Fox and the Knife, slated to open this winter, 2018. You're doing awesome stuff. I cannot wait to dive into your story to find out how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra what do you got for us uh second star on the left straight on till morning second star on the left straight on till morning take it dive deeper into Do you know that. what it's from i i've heard of it is it from uh, don't tell me peter much, pan no, no. <laughs> well it's a yes originally one, right? but uh yes yeah yeah originally but star trek okay yeah. was it originally from peter pan did i really pull that out my yeah butt? you did wow, you did yeah. uh so what, why does that resonate with you um, you know, you set your sights on something, even if it's incredibly far away, and you just keep going. Mm, and how has that served you to this day? 
You know, I think that one of the things, if you asked me anything about myself, you know, when you get asked to describe yourself in one word, how would you describe yourself? Um, I always say tenacious. I mean, I think it's one of my my best and perhaps worst quality as, as things like that tend to go. Um, but, you know, once I get my mindset on something, there's kind of nothing tearing me away from it. So I can, I can hang on just about as long as anyone else and often longer. I'm pretty sure there's a question later on that will help <laughs> us dive into that a little bit more, but we'll put that in the back burner for now. So where did it all start for you? Take us to that point where you knew, or at least you had an idea that this was going to be a long haul type thing for you. So, it, I mean, it really depends on how far you want to go back. I mean, I've been working in restaurants since I was 17 years old. My first job in a restaurant was, um, I was a waitress in a diner in New Jersey. And the first, I lied to get the job. I said that I had experience. I didn't have experience. Um, and the first shift that they put me on was an overnight. So I came in at 10 at night and I was working until six in the morning. Um, and it took about three weeks before they realized that I wasn't 18 and I wasn't allowed to work that shift, um, which then I was working late night shifts. So, you know, in, in New Jersey, diners are typically open 24 hours. Um, so that's something we're Definitely lacking here in Massachusetts. <laughs> what is it? Um, one o'clock or two o'clock? Something. You know, close. Yeah. Yeah. And two o'clock. The very, very, very <laughs> yeah, right. latest. Right. Um, so that was kind of my first sort of foray into the restaurant industry, um, and I, I had that job for a long time. Um, you know, I have always, even when I was in college, I worked as a prep cook and as a barista in a coffee shop, um, and I've just kind of always been drawn to restaurants. Um, I love hospitality. I love the act of going out to a a restaurant. You know, when we were a kid, if we got to go out somewhere, it was a really big deal for us. Um, there's this great place in my hometown called Egan's. It's not there anymore. But like if my dad took us there, that was like a very special treat. Um, Can you dive into what made it so special? I don't know because it's, I, I just always, I've always been able to find that the magic in restaurants. And I, I think it is. I think that my number one goal with my restaurant and every place I worked is that you leave feeling better than you walked in the door. And I think that's part of, part of that magic, right? So it's part the food, it's part the hospitality, it's part spending time with, um, whether it's yourself, if you're eating by yourself, um, or spending time with somebody else and sharing that, that period of time with them. So, so I've kind of always, you know, really been drawn to restaurants in that way. Um, when I graduated, I went to UMass Amherst. I got my undergraduate undergraduate degree in social work at UMass, and I moved to Boston. And um, I couldn't find a job, so I ended up as a cocktail waitress in a dive bar in Alston. And I, I think my parents were really proud of me. They were like, wow, we were so first person in our family to go to college. I'm so glad that this is what you are doing for a living currently. Um, you know, and I ended up getting a job at, um, at Planned Parenthood where I worked for quite a while, but I still had to. You don't make a whole lot of money in, in nonprofits. So I was still bartending three, four nights a week. Okay. Is this, uh, this is after you graduated or during school? After I graduated. Okay. What did you graduate with? Did you, did you, did you yeah, mention that? My undergraduate degree is in social work. Social so work. Okay. family and community services with a minor in public health and a minor in women's studies. I feel like you can draw on those lessons <laughs> in this industry. It's all the same, right? <laughs> yeah. It's all the same. I used to say as a bartender, it was like, I'm doing the same sort of work, right? It's all therapy. It's all counseling. Just, I just get yeah. paid a lot more as a bartender. Exactly. Isn't right? that sad? <laughs> well, I'm curious. What's the biggest lesson that you drew from your studying in sociology that you applied in your role as a bartender? Um, I think one of the, one of the things that, that always comes back to me, it was my last year of school and it was my advisor and I was in one of his classes and, and he said, we were talking about how you help people, right? And he said, you walk by somebody who's in a ditch, right? You look down and you're like, wow, that's a really big dish. Hey, there's a guy down there. The least helpful thing that you can do is to say, Hey, 
how'd you get down there? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because that's not helpful. That's not helping the situation. It's not being, um, you know, proactive. It's standing there and saying, hey, how did you manage to fall in that ditch? Instead of saying, let me see how I can help get you out of there. Yes. Or, or doing, doing the actual physical actions and doing the work and then saying, you know, we can talk about that later. Yeah, let's talk about that later so we don't get back in this position. Yeah, but let's get yeah, you yeah. out of this position now. Exactly. So I think that that is, you know, valuable for any career in any profession, especially, you know, especially in restaurants. It is all, you know, pressure, high intensity all of the time. So to be able to think on your feet, look at the problem, solve the problem first, you know, I think that's pretty valuable. It's also a great way to just think about dealing with other, not dealing with, but interacting with other human beings in general, right? With compassion, with not saying what the bleep did you do, you know, to get yourself in that situation. Oh, you did this or you didn't do this or whatever it is, but to say, let me help first Mm. and to approach everything, um, you know, believing, believing in the good. Mm, I like that a lot. Uh, so where did we leave off, off as far as where you were working? Mm. Um, did we get to the point where you were cooking at 10 tables no, yet or was not, this also before then? This is all before that, That's man. <laughs> for a long time, I, um, for a long time, I, said I had worked in the front of the house for longer than I had worked in the back of the house. Okay. That's only flipped in the last few years. Oh, wow. I mean, I've been in restaurants for 21 years now. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a long. So what ultimately, what was the pivot to front of house, the back to house? What made you make that change? So I was, um, I was still working at Planned Parenthood. I was also, um, working in restaurants at night and I, um, and I, was applying to graduate school to get my master's degree in social work. And my girlfriend at the time said, you always talk about, you never talk about what you're going to do. You're going to have a master's degree in social work. You're going to be LACSW, whatever it is. Like what population do you want to work with? What do you want to be doing? What kind of social work do you want to be in? Do you want to be in policy? Do you want, you know, be in direct care? Do you want to be a clinician? You never talk about that, but you always talk about what you'll do when you own your own restaurant someday. Mm. And two weeks later, I enrolled in culinary school instead That's of getting a master's degree. Awesome. Is I it awesome? That. I that don't know. Awesome. <laughs> that is great. Uh, but it's like, you know, I think this, the same story applies to a lot of people. For me, it was the, I'm going to be a commercial pilot. And then when I put enough money away, I'll resign from aviation and then open a restaurant. And then it, we flip it backwards all the time. Right. Uh, but why not, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. We, we always try try to de- define ourselves by like what we're doing and sometimes the restaurant industry in the public eye isn't a real job right unless you own it um which was that your goal when you went to culinary school to be one day an owner what, yeah definitely that definitely i think that that has always been um you know the goal that i was was trying to get to um you know and it's kind of like that star right you keep it up here but you have to also be incredibly focused on the work at hand yeah right so you have to i think with with goals especially lofty long-term goals, right? I'm not talking about what you want to do next year or what you want to do in the next three years. But with your 10-year plan, you keep that goal in sight. You come back to it. You make sure it's still your goal. Mm. I think that's really, really important is to check in with yourself and check in with your life and say, hey, I've been working towards this thing. Is that still the thing that Mm. I want? Yeah, we grow and learn (laughs) so much as we just live and experience Absolutely. life. Uh, I'm just move this mic a little closer to you because I feel like I can get you a little louder. Yeah. Hello. Uh, there we are. Um, so it's funny. It's almost like you're reading my mind because when you're saying like, is your goal now? Oh, you didn't now, know I could do that? <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> oh man. I wonder where you've been. Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> so moving, like moving forward, like when you were thinking about when you 
what your dream for a restaurant was is what you're creating now anything like that original vision i'm really curious oh it's so funny it's like you're reading my mind um <laughs> i was just walking up just now when i walked up from from downstairs i thought to myself i kind of looked and you know you can look around we're in we're still in kind of the construction and and painting and all of that but um it's like getting there a little bit and i walked up the stairs and i thought it's it's bigger than I originally thought, like, you know, 20 years ago or, or whatever it was. But um, it's also not a big restaurant. <laughs> but I, th- I thought it would be something very, very small all that time ago. Um, and I thought this is exactly what I had kind of always, always hoped for um, or dreamed of, which is weird that there's some degree of that that, that persists. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. I think we can dive more into that when we get more current day, but uh, dialing back to when you went to culinary school, any key lessons, any key mentors in your time at the culinary school before moving on to your first kitchen role at 10 Tables? Oh, um, culinary school, you know, I was going to culinary school during the day. I was bartending three to four nights a week um, after work. So I was getting home at somewhere between like two, one to three in the morning. And I was, I was getting up for school at 6am. Yeah. It was a really, I was very tired during that period of time. But, um, what I will say, but I had a, I had a wonderful, uh, wonderful teacher in school, um, Adrian Sear, who's still a dear friend of mine. And he, um, was my, absolutely my favorite teacher. And I can still remember to this day, I remember his lesson on Sardinia. Um, and I remember him showing us pictures of his family on a trip to Sardinia. And I remember learning about Fregola for the first time and learning about, um, you know, th- that, um, everything is really sheep driven because that is the, the animal that they have there and so, so on and so forth. Um, and really working with him and his, his classes ha- are, are something he was my, my teacher for regional Italian. Um, and that has really stuck with me and he was very influential. What was the big takeaway from that, that experience working with him? What was the lesson that he taught you from that? You know, I think he was just, I mean, he, Adrian owned a restaurant, uh, in Truro for a very long time. Um, fantastic place. And I think one of the things about, um, about him was that he was somebody living and working and doing it. He was a chef. He was a chef owner of a restaurant. He wasn't a teacher. He wasn't somebody who learned about culinary and then was teaching and that was all they did. Not to knock that or put that down at all. But for me, he was somebody with his with his finger on the pulse mm. of what was going on. And I, you know, I think I was really drawn to that. He mm. would talk about, you know, just being, he, he would tell you the things that you, you learn in being a line cook that you're never going to learn in culinary school. And I think it was those very tangible things that I was drawn to, as well as he, you know, was able to really draw you in with storytelling and teaching and all of that, which is, you know, it's valuable. Teaching is so hard. Mm, absolutely. Um, so ultimately you, you graduate, uh, did you, I'm assuming you graduated, right? <laughs> did you not? Mm, yes. No, I okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> um, you went on to 10 tables. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of places you worked, uh, 10 tables, Vita Mata. Am, am I saying it right that time? No, definitely God, not. why am I sucking so bad today? Via, Ma, like your mother. I'm the worst Italian ever. And they're T's, not D's. So Via Mata. Via Mata. Seriously, my dad would be so ashamed of me right now. <laughs> uh, in Boston, uh, Back Bay, like any key mentors, any key points, any aha moments throughout this time, things that really had an impact as as far as who you are today as a professional? I mean, working at, working at Via Mata was really an introduction to, uh, to Italian food and Italian cuisine that I, that I studied and really fell in love with. Um, 
I remember reading the menu for the for the first time, and I couldn't, I didn't know any of the words because it was all written in Italian. Okay. And I remember sitting. I can see it so clearly in my head. I can remember sitting in my living room um, at this little table by the window and looking up all of the words to see what they meant so that I knew what the dishes were. Um, it was something that was a really formative, formative part of my, of my career. Um, I worked with chef de cuisine, Adam Hallberg there. Uh, Adam's still a great friend of mine. And I went with him after Via Mata to open, uh, as my first sous chef job to open, um, a restaurant called the Beehive on Tremont street. Um, and he also connected me with the chef that I, um, later went to, uh, study with in Morena mm. where he had been 10 years before. Okay. So that so, was, that was a big, a big puzzle piece there. So what really, how did that impact you? How did you change because of this, this experience of going to the next level and really having to do the research behind the words? How did that make an impact on you? I mean, I think the impact from there is like, are, are you going to do the work or not? Are you going to come to work every day and you're going to cook? Or are you going to really be Im- immersed in what you're doing and what you're learning? I was also a very young cook at the time. So everything I was learning was completely new. I had never um, broken down a fish before. You know, that was where I learned those skills. I learned pasta making skills. I, you know, I had never done any of that before. So it was all kind of this very bright eyed, bushy tailed, very green kind of time in my life. And I think that it was the perfect place for me to be and yeah. was, was just an experience that I, you know, I, I really treasure. I think the nugget there is get immersed, right? Dive in. Totally. Don't just do the bare minimum to get by. Like do the research, like really become intimate with the food, the history of the food, the right. w- the why behind it all. Right. Yeah. And, and I also think that if you're not, if you're not immersed, if you're not passionate about it, then you're probably working in the same place. In, in the in the same place. I'm sorry. You're probably working in the wrong place. If it's not something that's sparking your interest in a way that's deeper than just putting a really beautiful piece of fish on the plate, right? Which is meditative in its own way and beautiful in its own way. And man, I miss being a lion cook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when all I had to do was come into work and make really really beautiful food. Um, but but I think that if you're not feeling that way about it, that contemplative way, that that you know, that deep dive, you know, as you're talking about kind of way, then you should find somewhere else to work because, because it should, you should have that spark. You should have that spark in you. I'm not saying every day. I'm not saying that when you're, you know, slicing garlic for two hours, that that is, I also think that's meditative, but, but I'm not saying, (laughs) Oh God. I mean, that's, that's great. Right. (laughs) But, but if there isn't that spark for you that you want to know more then find some, find somewhere else to work. I think that's a huge indicator right there. If you're listening to this and you're early in your career, can you get enough? If you can get enough, then maybe you're not in the right career, right? Like, like you need that, that, that hunger right. to learn more, to, to bring it to the next level, to, to bring it all the way to the, the origin, which is what you did. You, you use your network to, uh, who, who this gentleman's name again, that Adam Hallberg. Adam. So Adam, how did that go? How did you approach uh, a mentor to say, Hey, I want to go here. Like if somebody wants to do something like that, like what advice do you have for them? Oh, I mean the, the best thing you can do is always just, just ask, Mm. ask the people, you know, I think it's the hardest thing to learn and the most important thing to learn. And, you know, fast forward, I'm going through so much of that right now in my life with starting, you know, starting my own restaurant and just saying, I don't, I don't know the answers to a lot of questions and even getting off the ground. Um, I had to go to friends of mine and say, I don't know how to do this. I don't mm. even know how to get started. Why do you think people struggle with because admitting it, ignorance? Because as humans, you know, as as humans, I think there's this innate 
feeling of you don't want to feel shame. You don't want to feel foolish. You don't want to feel stupid. Some people don't have that. Some people are just inquisitive about the world in general and ask a ton of questions all the time. But I think for so many of us, it's hard to say, I don't know how to do this thing. And I have, you know, I know it's such a, such a cliche, get, you know, get really uncomfortable, comfortable with being uncomfortable. But now I, now I, this far into, into the process of opening Fox and the Knife, you know, I say all the time, if I don't know something, I say, I don't know what that word means, yeah. right? If I'm talking to my lawyer, I say, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I say it all the time I'm negotiating show. a lease. I don't know what that word <laughs> like, means. Can you explain that? Cause yeah, I'm, cause I'm I don't, I don't know smart. what that means. Yeah. Can you explain that to but me? it's so important. Yeah, because you're not, because you won't, you can, you know, you can Google as much as you want. You can Google how to write a business plan. But I was really lucky. I had friends of mine that, that helped me with that so tremendously. Um, Tiffany Faison and Kelly Walsh from Sweet, uh, Sweet Cheeks Barbecue and Tiger Mama, mm. they're the ones that were like, we will help you get this started. We'll show, show you how to do this. That's and awesome. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I would like to think I would have figured it out otherwise, but they made that really scary leap for me feel a lot less scary. Mm. There's so many nuggets I want to draw from that, like that, <laughs> that tear you just went on. I think the first and most important is the hardest thing and the most important thing you can learn how to do is to ask for help to or to to ask for uh, clarity or to, to make it clear what you want, right? Or just to, to talk, to speak up, right? And the other thing that I, I pull from that right at the end, uh, the power of just um, helping out other people. I think the most successful people in this industry, and I'm seeing it time and time again, it's a trend, are the ones that don't look at their neighbors as competitors, but as colleagues. Mm-hmm. And like, how can we help this person reach our level? Or what, what can we share that we know to help this person and make their journey easier? Uh, and there's such a an obvious connection and network of people who think like that. And they're all at the top. It's so obvious. Do you want to reflect on what I said? Yeah. I mean, I think that they're at the top for a reason, right? They've probably asked for help and in return, they've probably given help. Mm. And when we, we, you rise up, you lift everybody else up with you. You take everybody's hands and you pull them along. You give credit where it's due and you help and you answer questions and, you know, it's also on flip side of it, what you started with, it's really on us all as individuals to take the step to ask the question. I say this to people all the time. If it's something that you want, how would I know that you wanted it if you didn't ask you gotta me? you got to put it into the universe. Right? So if you're a cook and you want the most basic, you're a cook, you want to learn something. If you don't say to me, you know, and I, I try and check in, I say what I, I start every check in every conversation. I start every job interview, not by saying, well, here's the thing. And here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I say, what do you want? What do you want to learn? What yes. do you want to be? Do you want to own your own restaurant someday? Do you want to work for somebody else? Yes. Do you want to do this until you're doing something else? What is it? What is, what drives you? What's your desire? Because honestly, you know, this was my, this is my my dream, my desire, right? Until there's something else. And, yeah. um, and so I'm here. So, but what is, what is it about? So we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. What is it that you want? Why do you care so much to know what they want? Because that is, that's, that's the drive. That's the motivation, mm. right? And it helps to get to know somebody. It helps to manage them. If you understand them as a what their person. Motives are. Yeah, yeah, we're not robots. We're we're just all people, right? With our soft little insides. We're just beans bouncing around in the yeah. world. It, so if I don't know what it is 
or what you think, even if it's a short-term goal or so, a small thing that you want to learn. If I don't know those things, I can't help you get there. Yeah, and plus, ultimately, you, you got to create a win-win situation for your employees. Absolutely. So you're winning by getting this talented person on your team and leveraging their, their skills, but they also have to feel like they're winning by moving forward in their careers by being on your team. So you know, if you know exactly where they want to be, you can put them on a fast track to get there, and then they feel like they're getting a value from working for exactly. you. Exactly. And they know that you give a fuck, pardon my language. Yeah. Right, and that's that in itself is so important when people know that you care enough to ask about where I want to be. Uh, do you want to reflect on that? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I think that's I think what. Kind of are, yeah, I was like, yeah. I think that's what I was just yeah. saying. Were you not um, listening? To me? <laughs> um, excuse me. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's exactly it. I mean, the value isn't just the paycheck that you get, yeah. right? Yeah. For some people, um, and you know, and I think we've all been there at some point, but the value comes from the rest of it. Mm. Karen, I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> so moving on, uh, unless there's any other nugget from this time that you want to drop on us before progressing, uh, the next step for you, looking at my timeline here, uh, I just want to say Viamata because now it's stuck in my head and I got it right that time. You did a really I good job. Validation. I'm really, I'm really impressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was the next big part for you? The next key mentor, the next evolutionary part in your career? I mean, do you want to talk about Italy at all? Yeah. I mean, I moved to Italy with, um, I didn't speak any Italian. I moved there with one check on suitcase. I, um, and I, I thought I was going to be fine, I guess. <laughs> I was like, this, this will be absolutely fine. I, you know, I had nowhere to live. I had like uh, basically somebody like the address of a restaurant of, you know, a chef that said that I could come and work there for free, but he was very clear that he didn't have anywhere for me to live. And then, you know, the weeks leading up to it or the week leading up to it, like he wouldn't return my emails and his voicemail said full. And so I left when I got on that plane, I hadn't heard from this person in weeks, which now knowing like that's very typical, (laughs) typical, (laughs) typical Italian. Um, but I arrived and had no idea where I was, no idea where I was going. It was before it was 10 years ago. It was before smartphones. It was before GPS. So it's like, you're looking at a map and you're trying to figure things out and I'm by myself and I don't speak the language. And it's not necessarily, I moved to a small, a very small town. Um, is not very big. So it's not like moving to Rome or or Firenze or, or, or somewhere like that where, Almost everybody speaks English anyway. Okay. Um, so I showed up one night, like in the, <laughs> it's like so so classic, like in the rain, in the dark. I show up <laughs> at the restaurant, and somebody was like, and I was trying to say that I was looking for the chef. There's one server there that spoke English, and he actually ended up being so wonderful to me the entire time that I lived there. He found me a place to live. Nice. He really took me under his wing, and I remember him going to the kitchen and, and saying chef there's an American girl to see you um, and he was like oh you came and I wanted to be like yeah I told you I was coming pick up your phone dude um, you know and I had stayed in I had stayed in a hotel that night and I kind of was like yeah I come here I don't have anywhere to live and again the same person John Paulo um, you know had a friend that needed a roommate and he connected me with her and he translated for me and you know I found a place to stay yeah. which was great because I was alone and had nowhere to live and not a ton of money. Um, you know, and I stayed there, um, for quite some time at, uh, Lo Stalo Pomodoro. And then I said, I really want to make pasta. Mm. And he said, okay, I'm going to send you to my friend who basically just has a pasta shop. Um, and so I started working there and I used to get up at 4am 
to go. And they got there. They let me come in a little bit later. I think they all probably got there around four and I got there at five. Um, and I would make pasta all day long with little ladies, teeny tiny tortellini. Um, and it was just, it's a beautiful site. You kind of walked into the back room. It's a very small storefront. You walked into a very small storefront and then you walked into the back room and it was this really large room filled with little old ladies making pasta, (laughs) right? Like really, truly something out of a movie. And they, um, the tables were actually just long, basically planks of wood um, on sawhorses. And the first, there was only one woman that made the dough. She was like the boss. She would barely talk to me. Um, and she would make the dough and roll it out. And it would go onto the tabletop. And instead of moving the product or the pasta from table to table, they actually just lifted the entire tabletop and you turn around oh, and cool. you put it on the sawhorses behind you and it rotates like that the entire day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really, really, really neat. Um, so, I've never encountered anything like that I love uh, it. before. Yeah, so it's really this, beautiful. How did this experience being uh, in Italy with these people where their life is food, um, much like it is in certain places here in America too, mm. people who dedicate their, dedicate their life to food, how do they change your perspective on food, not just food, but like the culture behind food. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's one of the, one of the most valuable things, right? Is that it's not just about the food, right? Like it's about the food, but it's not just about the food. It's about coming together around Mm -hmm. the food. And that for me is the, the piece that I have, I've taken uh, with me through, through my life is that, that coming together, that joining together around food. Um, you know, I always say the only question in Italy that's more important than what's for dinner is what's for lunch. Um, <laughs> and, and having that be such a almost singular focus and knowing that it's not just that you're going to sit down and eat this food, but that you're coming together mm. to do it. And it's an experience. And that for me is the piece of opening this restaurant that, Everyone says, tell, tell us what, what kind of restaurant, what, what are you doing? And I always try to say that I'm trying to bring the spirit and the generosity of Italian dining um, to, to my little corner of, uh, of South Boston. So would you say the spirit, if, I, if I'm extracting this correctly, the spirit behind Italian, Italian dining is coming together or is it deeper than that? I, I, you know, I think it's coming together. I think it's the joy in coming together. I think there is, you know, something that is more than just sitting down and, and talking. Yeah. It's it's that spirit. It's almost something that's alive in for, and of in and of itself. For me, the word that's coming into my head is relationships. It's about yeah, the relationships with the people that are coming together. When you're standing around a table, whether it be making pasta or rolling pizza balls, pizza dough, uh, you're you're just there for like a half hour to an hour, and you're forced to have a conversation to hear about what other people are doing what's going through the mind and it forces you to be human it forces you to connect because you're together doing nothing but like muscle memory things right right? so you just the conversation's natural just comes out that's what i love about it but i'm (laughs) I'm loving this one other thing i want to pull from that story uh just friggin do it just go right you had you just (laughs) and we were so afraid sometimes to take a chance just to go and you didn't even know if the person that was supposed to be receiving you was knew you were coming you kind of had a hunch that they were it was on their radar (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you just went and i think that's what we need to do just go take a chance go experience new things in in these experiences in taking a chance you're going to learn so much about yourself and what matters to you but you got to go you got to take a chance you got to just do it uh it's so important. And I was chuckling a little bit because you said that you just had nothing but your, your luggage and a restaurant address. And I was like, that sounds like my life for the past eight months, uh, just yeah. like going and meeting these people and learning. Yeah. I, I, you know, I also think that just, you learn a lot about yourself as a person, immerse yourself somewhere where you don't speak the language and you're completely mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You know, and like I said, it wasn't like now where we have, we're able to be connected all over the world through whether it's Instagram or Facebook or yeah. whatever it is. There, there wasn't that. I was, I was very isolated from, you know, my community, my family that was here. Um, so I learned a lot about myself as, as a person, you know, it was like really kind of getting in touch with yourself in that way. And I had gone, I had just gone through a really bad breakup. I mean, that was part of it. I had left the job that I was at and I had just gone through a terrible breakup. I got broke up over a text message. And I remember being like, you cannot break up with me over text message. We have two cats in a joint bank account. And it was like, nah, I can't do Like, I just can't deal with, with yeah. the, the restaurant life anymore. You're never home. I never see you. So on and so forth. Um, so that, and that was a really, that was a really big blow. So I definitely went with my little suitcase and, Regroup. you know, yeah. and yeah. And, and a broken heart. Um, and the, you know, did some did some really deep soul searching along with a lot of cooking and eating and to, traveling. I'm tempted to ask how you came back better. Uh, do you want to go into that? Is that how I came back better yeah. as a as a as a person? Yeah. Or um, I think I, I think I just grew up a little bit. Um, you know, trying to heal from, from some heartache, um, learning about myself a little bit, asking yourself, yeah, I was alone a mm. lot, you know? So lots of time to self reflect, lots of time to self reflect, which is a little scary sometimes. Um, but also, you know, we don't have that much, especially anymore. We don't have that quiet time in our heads so often. Um, you know, that it was a, it was a really valuable year for me in that way. I also took my first chef job while I was there. Um, I had a friend that, so like a friend of my roommates was working at this Enoteca La Evian Blue in Modena and he was leaving to go work at La Francescana, um, as you do. And, um, he was like, I need to find somebody to fill my job. Do you want to do it? And I was kind of like, well, I've not been a chef before, but there was something that said, okay, we well, try right? Just try. And so I said yes, also because they were paying me, which meant that I could stay, right? Because I was running out of money yeah. and, um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a paycheck every week or rather like an envelope of cash. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I can, I can do this. I can stay. And, and I always think it's funny. You know, I was like, oh, I was the chef. Well, I was the chef. I was the dishwasher. I was sometimes the server. I was the person that made the espresso. And I was the person that greeted people at the door because there was just two people that worked there. It was a 40-seat restaurant. Wow. And it was just myself and the owner most of the time. On the weekends, there was one other server. And I was in this tiny, tiny little kitchen with a four-burner electric stove wow. and a sink next to it that I would wash. Like I would wash the pans as I went. Um, so those are actually, and I, I don't, I'm sure I can't find them, but those are the first menus I ever wrote were working there. Um, those are the first dishes that I ever created. And, and I, I was doing it on a four burner stove. Talk about just like humility, <laughs> right? And humbling just to start like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, I think that's, it, it's important. I think it's important. I think that I have a very strong sense of, you can do anything with a whole lot of nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and just because I, I mean, I cooked, now 40 seats isn't a lot, right? This is twice that, this space here. But there's going to be three or four line cooks over there every night. Yeah. Right? So that. one little person cooking for 40 people is kind of a lot. So that's also the beauty of youth, right? You're a little bit stupid and you don't know that this is challenging. <laughs> you exactly. make it, it'll yeah, yeah, be fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, also, you know, I think when I hear cooks say, oh, there's not enough space and I don't have room to work and it's too hard, I always want to say, man, 
come on. Like yeah. I have certainly cooked in more challenging situations than this and I seem to be fine. Mm. So, you know, it's a little, it's a little, I used to walk to school 20 miles in the snow with no <laughs> shoes on and milk was a dime. But, but it but also it, helps but you appreciate reality. what you have too. Yeah, when you absolutely. come from those humble beginnings, you value what you have now so right. much more. When some people, they, you know, they'll graduate from the CIA and move straight over to like a stage at the French Laundry or something stupid like that. And it's like, you know what I mean? Not, was that super hot or me? <laughs> no, it was just funny. It was just funny. You're no, like, it was funny. stupid <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, it's an amazing thing. But you know what I'm <laughs> no, saying? No, no, I, I, I totally Stupid in the sense, like, that's a stupid jump to go right. from school to, it's absurd to go to that level of food, right? Um, that's what I meant by something like a stupid right, right, jump. Right. Uh, but you don't understand like what other people had to start from, you know, right. uh, you know, and everyone's story is different. Um, but I think that most <laughs> of us who are around my age, who have been cooking for, for a little while now. Um, you know, we all have that, like, yeah, I used to work here and this, and we had to run up three flights of stairs or whatever it was. And, you know, restaurants in Boston, are have notoriously, especially in this area in the South End, they're pretty small. They're not these big luxurious spaces, and there's certainly a lot of more of that being built now, with you know big beautiful kitchens and lots of storage space. And I see, I see brand new restaurants that people are building, and I, you know, I'm always like a little a little envious. Um, <laughs> You're doing it. You're yeah, doing it. well, but I'm doing it, but I'm doing it in a very different way. Yeah. I'm doing this with a handful of investors, no business partner. Um, I'm excited to get into that. Yeah. I, I really mean, want to get into that. Let's put it on the back burner because I want to hear, because <laughs> you have a few more key experiences in your life leading up to that point. Uh, and I can't believe it's already been a 37, so 30, 37 minutes of recording time. I'm loving this conversation it's going <laughs> so fast. So you come back to America, take us through the, the key points. I know you have some key mentors in Joanne over at Meyer and Chang or sorry. Yeah. Chain and Meyer. Myers and, Myers, Myers and Chang. Thank you. Uh, but anything worth mentioning before we make that jump? Cause yeah, I think so. One of the reasons that I came back, um, everyone says, Oh my gosh, why did you come back? And there are a few reasons, uh, that I came back to the States, but a big one was that I went to work for on a Sartoon at Oleana and, um, you know, a, a friend of mine had been having dinner at the same restaurant as her and she said, Oh, I really need a sous chef. And he said, well, I have someone for you. She's living in Italy right now. Let me check in with her and see if it's something she would want to do. And I thought that it was such an amazing opportunity to come back and work at Oleana and work with Anna, um, that that was a big reason that I came home. So why was that such a great opportunity in your eyes? What were the benefits I think of it's one of. I think it is one of the, and then and remains now, one of the best restaurants in Boston, in the Boston-Cambridge area. I think it's one of the better restaurants in the country. I think that they do something... In the style of service and in the dining room, they do something that's really hard to achieve. It's, 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 I don't want to say that it's formal service, but it is very specific service, but it always still feels warm. Um, I think the food is, you know, just, there, there's never been anything like that in this city. And I think in the country, Anna was really at the forefront of, of um, Middle Eastern food, modern Middle Eastern food, modern Middle Eastern food. And certainly there's, you know, folks before and since, um, you know, Sahav, mm-hmm. Shia, and all of those things. But I think she really has always been doing something that's very special. And one of the, the great things that came of it was, um, which I didn't know at the time, but Cassie Piuma, who owns Sarma Restaurant in Somerville, was the chef de cuisine at the time. So, so much of the way that I cook and what I learned was from standing next to her for almost three years. Um, she's someone with 
was such an amazing work ethic um, and talent that just is like boundless and creativity that is really boundless. And, um, you know, and she was a huge, she's a huge, was a huge inspiration to me. You're tapping into some of the things that I love to talk about, like work ethic and just creativity. And I mean, obviously food is important to be successful in this industry, but there's so many other variables, human qualities and traits that play like, in my opinion, a bigger role than your ability to cook because you have to lead others and you have to do so much more. What were the things that you learned from her about uh, as far as how to be, how to lead, how to run a business? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't say it was learning to run a business. It was running a kitchen, okay. a very busy kitchen of a high caliber. And Cassie just says a way about her. She's, she's exacting in, in her food. Um, but she has a way about her that makes you want to work as hard as she does. That makes you want to do it as well as she does. Um, and what is she, it about her that makes you want to do it I, as I well think as she does. just doesn't have, I don't think she has the ego or the pretense that mm. a lot of people have. Um, and I think that, and that combined with that, that n- n- not, I want to say that no big ego, but not having that ego, but having this boundless creativity and being the hardest working person in the room. If you're around somebody like that and you're not taking from it and you're not trying to be as good as that person, then, then you're the, you're, you're doing something wrong and you're really losing out on Mm. an an experience. I love it. Awesome stuff. Any other key lessons from this time here before moving on? Yeah. I mean, I was there for almost three years. Uh, One of the great things is I learned so much about spices and about, um, food, Middle East, modern Middle Eastern food, which was amazing. Um, Anna's husband owns Sienna Farms, So, you know, for many years, everyone was farm to table, farm to table. And I always want to say, of course, where else the fuck do you think our food comes from? <laughs> um, but, but that really is the farm to table experience. I mean, it's the, not sister restaurant, but they also own a farm. So you would just come in, especially in the growing season and your walk-in would just be full of um, farm produce and you had to figure out what you were going to do with it. That's the way it should be, right? Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, so eventually you make the move uh, f- working from Olina. Am I saying that? Sorry, Olina. Oliana. Oliana. I'm horrible at restaurant <laughs> names. It's embarrassing. You're working at Oliana uh, and you made the move to Myers and Chang. What was the cause for that? Why did you make that move? So I didn't actually, that wasn't the next step that I took. Oh, I, I took a something. year off and I went to work for a nonprofit. Okay. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Cool. What was the move? What, what was the purpose for that move? So I, I just felt like I was, I was missing something. I felt like I had been, you know, I hadn't been cooking for 20 years or anything like that, but I've been cooking for a while. I wanted to, I, you know, you just had that feeling of wanting to, I want to, you want to help people. You want to do something good, so on and so forth. And a friend of mine had seen an ad for, um, a program director for a social enterprise in Lowell, um, called Fresh Roots. Um, the parent organization is UTEC, the United Teen Equality Center. And it was cooking, running a catering social enterprise and doing youth work. Um, And, you know, my friend said, if you took your old life and your new life and you combine them together, this is the job that you would have. And I said, I should probably apply for that job. So what to do? So when I left Oleana, I went to, I completely left restaurants and I went to work for a nonprofit. Okay. And any transformative uh, experiences, times, did you come back feeling more complete, fulfilled? Uh, Yeah, it was also really 
hard. I bet. Um, it was work that I hadn't ever done. I hadn't done youth work before. And I was working with young people, awesome, awesome young people who were either like just getting out of jail or getting out of gangs and trying to teach them soft skills and culinary skills and help them. It was a, it was a workforce program. So teaching them skills so that they could get jobs. And, you know, I, I feel strongly that there are so many people that could really succeed in restaurants in the culinary industry um, that you don't necessarily need to have a college education for, or you don't need to have, you know, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. You just need to be able to show up on time, work really hard, say yes, chef, ask questions (laughs) and do your best. Um, And so, so I, I took from that a whole other set of skills, right? I used to say that I would, I would rather, I was like, man, I teach for four hours and I am more tired than working like 12 hours in a kitchen. Teaching is really, really hard. Well, you're, you're tapping on something that's really interesting to me. Uh, just this idea of like social work and nonprofit. I feel like a lot of restaurants, a lot of successful restaurants that kind of almost have the mentality of, uh, being, we're here for profit. Obviously we need to make money to pay the bills, to pay our employees, to pay back our investors. But at the same time, when people look at their role as the, the educator, the teacher, the person that is looking at their employees and saying, how can I teach this person soft skills? How can I make this person, uh, move forward in their life? Taking that same approach you would in this circumstance that you're in, but in the restaurant environment, cause you said, you said that you were kind of incomplete, right? You, there was a void where you wanted to do this type of work, but, do you now feel like you can take what you learned, have that approach and apply it to the restaurant industry, the kitchen? Yeah, I think so. As much as, as, as much as I can, you know, and it's, again, it's just about being human beings and treating everybody kind of as, as such as much as possible, you know, and then I, I always like to say, so I, I married someone who did, who does that yeah. kind of work. So now we just even each other out. Yeah. So ultimately, <laughs> uh, what made you come back? What may, I, I just, I, I missed it. I four o'clock every day, I, my heart would start to race. Yeah. I couldn't figure out what it was for a while and service. yeah, it's service, <laughs> yeah. it's service. And that, that was like that, that beating was very, very strong. So what do you um, think you missed about it specifically? Um, I, I mean, I love, I love being in restaurants. I love being in the kitchen. I love cooking. I love service. Um, I love everything about it. And I always have, I mean, for me finding, finding this work and having this life, it, it was like the first time I ever fit anywhere really fit anywhere in the world. It's like being a square peg in a round hole the rest of the time. So it's something that has always felt incredibly natural to me. Um, And from the first time that I worked in a restaurant, on the floor, behind the bar, in a kitchen, I just always, you know, you have your little fits and spurts, but it just always felt like something that I was supposed to be doing. I just, it makes sense. I understand it. It understands me. You said something that really kind of resonated with me there and you just fit. What do you mean? What is it? What is it about just this industry that you feel like you fit here? Is it the, the I, I way people behave? I mean, or? I mean, I can. Yeah, I mean, I can break it all down in that way, right? I can say that there is a you know, in restaurants, we talk a lot about it being a family, a family, a family. And there is that aspect of it. There's the aspect of the work. There's the aspect that at the end of the day, you've completed something, right? You're cooking, you've made food for people, put it on a plate and given it to them. It's very tangible work, right? Which a lot of people don't get in their careers. Um, the love of cooking, the love of pleasing other people, um, the love of the adrenaline, adrenaline, the love of the difference every day and the, and the same every day, mm. that meditative work of being in a kitchen. Well, yeah. So you can say all of these things, but really more than anything else, I would just say it's, you know, it's like when people talk about being in love yeah. and you know, everyone goes, Oh, you know, you know, and then you're always like, well, that's pretty friggin' annoying. And then you fall in love and you're like, Oh yeah. 
Yeah. No, when I you think- know, you know. And I think it's as intangible as that. It's that feeling of fitting. It's that feeling of something that is almost a little bit magical. Yeah. For me, just to kind of bounce back something off of you, for me, it's the relationships. It's the, the, something about the people in this industry, uh, the, the level of social and emotional intelligence. We like to have fun. We love each other. We love making, like you said, making people happy. But that's also the, the, I've never felt like I could be more myself. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of people that come to this industry, are like, here I am, take me or leave me. And I I don't know about you, but other jobs I've had, like office jobs, there's like that role you have to go into, that quote unquote professional Mm -hmm. role where you have to pretend to be somebody you're not so you stay within the box, like, right? And I don't, I feel like that doesn't really apply as much in the restaurant industry. Am I off by saying that? I don't, well, I've only had um, two kind of office jobs in my life. I've really mostly worked in restaurants. I mean, that's been... (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. majority of my job. I, you know, I worked like in, uh, the front office at Planned Parenthood. And I, when I was working for a nonprofit, you know, half of my day was sort of like office time. My yeah. office was in a kitchen though. So, um, yeah. So the, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't have quite that comparison, yeah, I although I can imagine it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I definitely, of course, so much in life is the relationships, yep. right? And so much is who you're working with and how you feel around the people that you work with, you know, but there's plenty of times that you work somewhere that like maybe everyone isn't your best yep. friend and maybe it doesn't feel like family to you or maybe it's more about the work or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I do think that that there's- those are all important, really important things, but there's also there's also just... There's so many verticals. If you've ever yeah. seen somebody, if you've ever seen somebody, right? I do a lot of hiring. If you've ever seen somebody that hasn't worked in a restaurant before or it's their first job and they're, whether they're on the floor or in the kitchen and you see that wild deer in the headlights look and they're kind of like, oh my God, what the hell is yeah. going on? You know, and then you turn that around and think about how, even when I felt that way, when I didn't know what I was doing, I, I never looked around and thought, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I just always, it's, it's, it's the rhythm of it. It's the motion of it. It's the way that everything works. You know, I think there's a lot for me that is the organization of it really fits in with my, I'm a Virgo. So I'm like place for everything, everything in its place, efficiency above everything else. I was um, texting with a, another Virgo friend of mine this morning and had like been talking about a, a meme or something like that. And it's like, here's how you shave. This is why Virgos love life hacks, right? Because it's like shaving extra seconds off yeah. the, off of the day and off of, I'm like, yeah, you waste, you waste seconds. You never get them back. Yeah. So there's something about being, you know, an organization freak about loving efficiency and things like that, that we run on that. This yeah. is like, this is my spot. This is my place. I'm tempted to go deeper there. Uh, maybe <laughs> later on when uh, we talk about how you run your kitchens and your businesses, the efficiency. Uh, but any, we got to talk about Myers and Chang, um, Obviously, seven years here, 2011 mm. to 2018. Uh, how this is your first partner opportunity too, but you didn't come on as a partner. How did you find this opportunity? Take mm. us through that. We got to talk about your current project. Too. I know, I know. <laughs> um, we we're running out of time. Um, no, so you know when we were talking about leaving um, my previous job, leaving the nonprofit job I was working at, and I talked a little bit about that heartbeat and, and service. Um, Christopher Myers actually texted me really for me out of the blue and was kind of like, I think it's really nice that you're saving the world, but I think it's time for you to come out of retirement. <laughs> um, and asked me to come in and talk to, to him and Joanne about being the chef. And I, I remember being like, I don't cook Asian food. And he was like, 
just come and talk. Not You've yet. eaten here. Well, but you know what? I've been going to Myers and Chang since they opened. I was there two weeks after they opened and Christopher yelled at me because he was like, why would you come in this early? I would never do that to you. Um, I hope he remembers that when I open. Um, but, uh, you know, so I had been eating there and I lived very close to the restaurant. So I got that food. I understand that food. I, I understood what they were trying to do. So I think a piece of that was why it was a great fit. And I think that Joanne and Christopher and I have a lot of the same um, ideas and values and things that are important mm. and want a lot of the same things for our staff and for the business. And, and okay, we got to dive into that. Uh, same values, same ideas you want. What are those things? What are the, the same ideas that you guys share, the values you share, the things you want for your employees? What are those things? I mean, I think it's a, about kind of what we talked about, about being human beings. It's not just teaching somebody how to cook. It's like helping them get to the next level yes. of what, wherever they are in their life, not just not just in their professional life, but in their personal life as well, how to help people be the best people that they can be. Um, and Christopher and Joanne work really, really hard on that, like teaching people how to write a thank you card. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, how to behave, how to teach people how to be, you know, be a professional restaurant type person, you know, not just show up for work 10 minutes late and you know, not uniform and all that, What's all that kind of stuff and, and taking somebody, uh, who, what's not the reward in that? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what's, what's not the reward in it. If I, if I wanted to come into work every day, if I wanted to come into work every day, um, not say hello to every single person that was in the building, um, bark out some orders, do my ordering and go home. I shouldn't have my own restaurant. I should be working. I don't know. Um, you know, as a receiver in a hotel or something, something like that. I mean, the, the value and the connection, if you're not putting that into people, how do you expect to To get get anything? Well, not get out of them, but just get in the world. Like, how do you get anything back if you're not giving? Yes. You know, and you have to remember to give back to yourself as well, because I think in this industry, we, we do a lot of, we are typically right chefs we are giving people and so i know for myself and for a lot of other people it's like you give and you give and you give until you have nothing else left inside of you so i talk a lot about the soup pot that lives like right here in your in your abdomen in your belly diaphragm Um, yeah yeah. yeah, it's a soup pot right it's a big pot of soup and actually my my therapist taught me this so i i won't take credit for it but i like to (laughs) i like to talk about it a lot go into it yeah and and Everything you do, right, for somebody else and the interactions, you're ladling out the soup. You're giving them a cup of soup. You're giving them a demi-toss of soup. You're giving them, you know, maybe you're giving them a, a bowl of soup, whatever it is. But if you're not putting something back into your pot, your pot's going to be empty. And not only is it going to be empty, but it's going to be all the, what's left in the bottom is going to be scorching. It's going to yeah. be, and you know, if you've ever washed a pot like that, <laughs> it's not good, yeah. man. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not just the giving out, but it's making sure that you're putting back. Now, what I always like to say is there are things that you can do for yourself, right? Whether we're talking about self care, whether we're talking about exercise, spending time with loved ones, going to therapy, going to the chiropractor, there's all those things that you can do to put soup back in your pot. For me, some of the most valuable things that I can put back in my pot and the things that fill me the most are the things that I'm doing that are reciprocal. Mm. Right. So, so it's, it's the same thing that you were saying. I, you know, you are working with somebody and you're mentoring them. It's a gift to me as much as it is to them. It's it's, it's the same feeling we get when we, have somebody who leaves our restaurant feeling full and satisfied and happy, right? That, that, 
that exit out of our restaurant, what they're leaving with that energy is we're, we're taking that energy and we're absorbing it exactly. back into ourselves. It's all cyclical, right? I love it. Um, a lot of other analogies I've heard that remind me to, of, of what you're sharing is the whole like airplane and oxygen, right? Uh, when the, the oxygen mask, you got to take care of yourself first when it comes out of the ceiling because if you're passed out, you can't help everybody else around right. you. Uh, love it. Great, great stuff there. So Something else I'm really curious about. You came into that business as the executive chef. You left a partner. Uh, something that comes up a lot on the show is treat it like you own it, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Dive into how the things that you did to to get a piece of the pie and to <laughs> if we want to become an owner, what, what's what's the best way to approach that? Uh, oh, it's probably not to be thinking about it in that way. Okay. It's probably not to be saying, "Well, I want to this." You know, I want to someday. I want to be a partner here. Yeah. Someday, I want to. I think it's just treating everything as if, as much as you can, as if it was your own. Okay. Um, so you know, having that ownership. Like, just, no, I mean, you take ownership of your job, and you. I, I've treated every job I've ever worked at that way, and probably to some like detriment. I'm far. You know, I'm very serious about about a lot of things. Um, but you know, another piece of it, I think or I know was, is that when I worked at Via Mata, I worked in the front of the house before I worked in the kitchen. So I worked for Christopher Myers. I learned a great deal of what I believe about hospitality from him. And so I think that we share the same viewpoint mm-hmm. for so many things. And he's been a mentor to me in that, re- definitely in that respect. And so I think that we see things in the same way. I think that I've always been able to see what's in the kitchen, but I can always look out in the dining room and read the room. I, I was a server. I was a bartender. I was a, I was a GM. I, I can see both of the spaces and I can see it as a whole. And I think that was something that really connected all of us. Um, you know, and just the, the wanting to do, wanting to do right by your staff and ownership that you take and, and that kind of thing. I think that we were, we were aligned in, in similar ways. So you have the same values. You treat it like you own it. You have that alignment. Uh, how do you approach that conversation? Did you take, were you the first person to say something? Did they say something to you saying? No, no. I mean, they came to me. Okay. So what was that like having them come to you and saying, Hey, like we want you to have more. Like what, how did that all go down? I don't want to ask because I feel like it's just not, it's just, I'll be very honest. It's not a very interesting answer. They were like, (laughs) Hey, we would like to make you a partner. Well, you know, I mean, it was a conversation, you know, that we had, we had, we had kind of been having, um, Joanne came to me and asked, you know, and was like, do you want to write the Myers and Jane cookbook with me? Which I did. Um, you know, we had talked about opening other restaurants and it kind of went from there. It's not, it's not the most, it's not it, the most it's, interesting it's part not, of the story. There's not fireworks going up, but at the same time, there is a huge lesson there and that's, you shouldn't have to wait for your employees who've earned it to come to you and say, I want a piece of the pie or else I'm out of here or something. You don't want to, we don't want to wait until it gets well, also, to Also, if point. they say that, you probably shouldn't um, make them your partner <laughs> if you say yeah, it that exactly. way. <laughs> you, I guess the point that I'm trying to, to make from their perspective, um, they had something special in you and they recognized it. And they, they said, hey, we, this is like, we, she earned this. Like she should be a sit at the table. You know what I'm saying? She should be a partner because we wouldn't be where we are without her. Right. And a lot of people don't ever take the initiative to, put that on the table for their employees. Why do you, what is it about them that you think made them want to give you equity in the business? I mean, I don't know. I think that that's, you, you know get what I'm saying though, right? Like no, most restaurateurs never really take, even leave that as an option from what I've gathered. Okay. You disagree? I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, okay. I only know my own experience. Yeah, I hear you. So, 
Um, you know, I had been there for a long time. We wanted our partnership to continue. We wanted to do more things together. And I think that it was the next sort of natural step. And in them seeing that, I mean, that's what we should all yeah, be looking for exactly. in our staff. I think that's what But I'm it certainly hoping. doesn't mean that everyone that works for you want to say like, oh yeah, here you go. Take a piece, take a piece of my business. No, I hear you. You know? So, uh, you spent seven years, um, three years as a partner. Was that about four years as a partner? So yeah. what was it like, um, being a first time owner? Anything um, different? You're treating it like you owned it the entire time. Yeah, but I think that there there's even more, you know, there's even more uh, feeling of <laughs> dread, worry, all of the things. It's it's just intensified. You more know? responsibility, more weight in the shoulders. Yeah, and more knowing that like the financial well-being of the restaurant, the success of the restaurant, and whatever you and whatever you deem success to be, right? Because it's different for everybody. Um, that that is really dependent on you because I was the managing partner, right? So I was the person that was there most of the days and, um, you know, that it, it's also a lot of weight and it also feels great. I mean, you should be proud of it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think that, I think it's like being married. That's the best way that I can describe it. And I think for everybody that's different. If you ask my spouse right after we, after we got married, LJ would tell you that it felt no different, that it was exactly the same. We lived in the same house. We were still in a committed relationship. We still loved each other. And I would have told you that everything felt different. Okay. Because why? I don't know. Because it was a huge commitment that we had yeah. made to each other because I, you couldn't just cut, meant, cut and run yeah, because it meant something. It meant something to you. Yeah. There's, so I think, that, I think the best way that I can, can describe it is, is like a marriage. It's making yeah. a deeper commitment, um, a deeper commitment to somebody else and, and, a, and an entity. Um, and and this is important. the goal. This is the stuff I love. That, that, that when people enter into business relationships, they don't have this much weight. It's a transaction. They're going into it like a transaction. But you can tell, speaking to you, that there's a, a more underlying level of commitment in the relationship there uh, that you respect and you honor. And it's coming out in the conversation. Uh, one question I have for you is how did you bear that load? You said that becoming an owner, it was the same except you had a new load on your shoulders. How did you cope? with the change of bearing that new load I mean did you did you develop a new habit or, or new is there anything you invest you, more in the people around you okay yeah absolutely you invest more than the people around you you give more to the people around you to your team um, so that they can maybe take some more responsibility take a little bit more you know um, whether it's a task or whether it's a responsibility or whatever it is but I think that you have to um, I think that you have to um, give some of that to the folks that, that are around you so that you can look at it in a different way and do other things as well. Yes. Awesome. So 2018, um, you win James Beard, best chef Northeast. How did that change things? Did it, did it change things? Did it, what was that like having that, <laughs> that new title? I'm curious. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, um, you know, it's such an honor. It is, I mean, when I was first nominated, even to the long list, it was something I never thought in my life would happen. So it's been, for the past four years, it's been so amazing to be nominated. And to win was, I, I mean, no one was more surprised than me. Um, so, you know, there are in so many ways I want to be like, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing's changed. But you know what? With everything, there are opportunities that come your way. There are doors that are, that are opened, um, you know, and I would be, 
I would be foolish to say that 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 wasn't that that wasn't the case. It's certainly a very real thing. Um, so and I ask it, because I'm curious. And I hate, I'm, I apologize if I cut you. Sure, short. no, that's fine. Um, you a lot of times we get this notoriety, right? And a lot of doors start to open. And as how do you balance those opportunities? How do you choose the right path? And this is the reason why I usually never ask about winning the mm. James Beard, but it's so fresh for you. Yeah, it's very you know, new. it's so fresh for you. And if I ask some questions, I, I ask a lot of questions to really just get at the core of understanding why. Mm. Um, because you were with Myers and Chang, uh, great business partners. Joe and Chain, uh, you mentioned being a huge mentor to you. Mm. We still need to talk to why she was such a big mentor, what you learned from her. But you could have gone, um, you could have stayed with them uh, as a business, business partner, but you chose, are you still a partner with them? No. Okay. Um, so I just don't understand like the thought process behind like what path to take and why you take a path. And I just want to learn from the decisions you made. Well, for me, um, I had, oh, I mean, I, I was in a partnership that I loved at a restaurant that I loved. Um, we had had an amazing year. We had gotten a four-star review in the Boston Globe. We had just had our 10-year anniversary. Um, Joanne and I co-wrote the Myers and Chang cookbook that came out that year. So, and then I won the James Beard Award. Um, so 2017 you know, into 18 was a, was a pretty, um, pre- pretty big year for us. When, when I talk about the path, you know, everyone kind of feels that what I keep hearing is that everyone feels that I won the James Beard Award and then announced I was leaving the next day, which I'm sure is what it felt like for people. But it was certainly a process that had been nine months in the making. Joanne and I had sat down long before that and had a really honest conversation around, we had talked about opening new restaurants. She knew that was something I wanted to do and said, you know, I think that that's we don't really want to open any more restaurants, right? We're going to open more bakeries and we'd love Myers and Chang. We don't want to do any more restaurants, you know, and then having that really open, transparent conversation with each other about what I would do and what my next moves would be. And so many people are like, oh, well, you're going to leave. But it wasn't that simple for me. This was something that I had felt like my heart was in, invested in, and and, in and my name and my reputation. Too. Yeah, and, yeah like that's absolutely. Where you got all the semi or the the, the right the all of my nominations. Exactly. Yeah. So so it was a hard decision. It probably took me about five months, six months to really decide what I was going to do. Um, a lot of talking to my family, talking to my spouse, trying to figure out what we would do and how, if I left, how I would make that leap. Yeah. It's a challenge in a, in a lot of ways. I think the key thing here is that you wanted different things, mm-hmm. right? You wanted to open more restaurants. They were happy with what they were doing. And when business partners want different things, that's time to you know, to go your own way because you can't be pulling in different directions. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I, I also just think that we came to everything open and honestly at the table and we were transparent with each other about so those important. things, yeah. right? Here are the things that I want. Here are the things that I want. How are we going to get there in a way that is mutual to the best of our abilities and that we are taking care of each other and respecting each other. I mean, there was no, you know, uh, there was no bad feelings. There was no, it was, there was nothing but like a whole lot of like love for each other and for like the work that we both do. Yeah. 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 And, um, and they've, you know, been wonderful and supportive. Um, I talk to Joanne all the time. And you mentioned during the pre-interview chat that Joanne was a huge mentor to you. What are the key things you learned from her and things that you hope to leverage going into your first venture as a sole proprietor? You know, Joanne, uh, a few different things. Joanne really helped me. She, she, she does this thing. She, um, she, she tries to be the mirror, right? She tries to hold up that mirror to you to show you who you are in a way that you have some self-actualization and also to show you what you have inside of you. Mm. Um, and so she really, and I mean, I was with her for seven years. She really 
taught me how to find myself as a leader. She didn't just say, these are the things that you do. It was like, look inside yourself and be true to yourself and who you are and take those best qualities and how do you use them in the best way and how, how do you lead in that way? And the other piece of it was how to run a business. So I like to say, you know, when I was chatting with investors about opening this restaurant and everyone said, well, who's going to handle the business side of things? I said, I am. Um, you know, I've been to the Joanne Chang School of Business for the last seven yeah. years. So I certainly wasn't just running a kitchen and creating a menu and working with staff. It was how, what are the ways that you, that you run a business and how do you do that and how do you do it successfully and how do you like financially do it and, and all of those pieces of it, which I, you know, I use currently right now in the situation <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I use those things every single day, every day. Oh, man, there's so much we could go into. There's so many directions we could take, uh, ways we can get deeper. Um, I'm assuming uh, having this, uh, your brand tied to such successful brands helps with finding investors. Winning the James Beard uh, Award helps with finding investors. Those, those are all seals of approval. Like, mm. this chick knows what she's doing. Uh, what approach did you take and how did you find the right investors moving forward? What what non-negotiables that you leave on the table like what was most important to you because i'm sure you had plenty of people maybe it's a bad assumption to make but when you can tie your name to such successful brands and you get these accolades people want to invest in restaurants i'm sure you had do they <laughs> people just, want to invest in tech yeah that's what people want to invest in <laughs> but um how did you decide on who did you have multiple options like how did you decide who you were going to go with oh i didn't decide who i was going to go with i i graciously asked people to please okay. support my project. Okay. You know, um, no, no, no. I mean, and there certainly wasn't, I think I had one person that reached out. One of my investors reached out to me and said, I saw that you, I read in Boston magazine that you were opening a restaurant and I, are you looking for more investors? Okay. One person out of all of my investors. Okay. Um, another, you know, another long time, dear friends of mine from, from Myers and Chang, um, said, do you, you know, do you have all your money in place? And I said, I really need one more person. And, um, they said, okay, we're in. And they shook my hand. Yeah. Um, but, but for the most part, it was me saying, Hey, here's this thing I'm doing can I sit down with you and have coffee and show you my business plan and talk to you about it? Um, you know, I have, um, multiple investors and, um, no one big investor or a few big investors. And I, most everybody came on board before I won the James Beard award. Okay. That's so awesome. yeah, I mean, but it's, it's not, it's not easy. Um, and if you don't have, I don't know if you've not done it before. It was one of the things that was the most challenging. How do you ask for money? Right? So what I did was I asked somebody who worked in investments, okay. who was a friend of mine, who had like bought a cooking class for me as an auction item. I said, would you have coffee with me? I don't know how to do this. Do I write an email? Do I see them in person? Do I call them? Do I ask for it in the email or do I ask them just for coffee first. I just had no idea yeah, where to get started. And especially as a, a female investor, you know, it's, it's always a little bit harder. There is a, a broader network for men and there is a little more hand extended. Um, so, so it's a, it's, it's challenging to, to send that first, send that first so request. So what did you learn? What advice do you have for somebody who's going through what you just went through? You know, I would just be, I, I would say, you know, if someone came to me and they said, I want to open my own restaurant, I think one of the things I would say is like, okay, like let's make a checklist. Where are you in this process? Have you thought about, do you have a space 
right? Do you have a space? How much do you need to make? What what can you pay? What are you looking to do? Do you have your concept so code and so forth? Start with the end of and mind then, and work And then maybe. making sure that you have your, your business plan in order and that you have your financials in order and all of those things and that you understand those pieces, whether you're writing it yourself or somebody else is writing it for you. And really having that as a solid foundation, like having that clear vision, knowing what you want to do, having your business plan together, and being able to answer the questions that people are going to ask, not just because there are investors asking you those questions, but I think you need to know those things for yourself. There's not one thing that is happening with this opening that I have not personally touched, Mm. that I don't know where every penny is going. I haven't made every decision myself, and I'm I'm aware of all of those things. Um, And I think that that is a really important place to start, especially if you're an independent restaurant owner, especially if it's your first restaurant. Yeah. We've been chatting now for almost an hour and 15 minutes and I've loved every second of this, but I also don't want to cut you short. Anything that we, cause there's so many, I'm tempted to go in so many different directions right now, but I want to talk to what's near and dear to your heart in this project. Mm. What a big lesson that you learned that you wish you knew before going into, uh, opening your own restaurant, what your challenge with right now, anything you can drop on us that comes Oh my God, mind. where to start? Let right? me give you the list of everything <laughs> you know, I've done wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that it's the same thing, right? Having a really clear having a really clear vision mm. because you're going to have to go back to that. And if you waver from it, I mean, you can, I'm not saying don't change your mind, but if you waver from your vision and from what you want, it just becomes a watered down version of that. Yeah. And you can't bring people on board that way. Mm-hmm. Like you have to believe in it and you have to be true to yourself in that way. I think it's okay to change your vision as long as you change the vision that you wrote down and, and, you, and you stick to one vision at a time. Right. right? And you don't, drift from your original vision and then never amend the original vision. Mm. And then if you have other partners, are they on board with the new vision too? Right. right? And doing it as a group. Um, Cause you are going to, you, you're going to drift over time. You're going to have new experiences. You're going to have new data that comes at you. That right. You can use. Oh, all the time. So it's going to happen. Your vision is going to change. But that's, but yes, yes. But I, I don't think the vision changes, right? I think the vision stays stationary. Everything around it changes, it's right? It's destination, right? Yeah. But you can um, get there different ways. Yeah. I, I just think like, you know, I was talking to my GM about, we were like writing training manu- manuals and doing that kind of thing. And it's like, well, what are we going to do about this, this, and this? And I'm like, well, we're going to start out doing this. And then our staff and our guests are going to give us feedback and we're going to change the way that we do those things. Or we're going to do it for two nights at friend and family. And we're going to be like, well, none of that works. Yeah. So I think that in that way... Right, like those things can can modify and change. You take feedback from other people, from your teammates, um, and you and you move forward from there. Um, but your 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 little, you know, it's, it's if you practice yoga, right? You like look at that spot on the wall, right? And you're in a, a balancing pose, and you focus, fix your gaze there, and all of a sudden you're able to, you know, whether it's getting into tree or standing half moon or whatever it is, but you fix your focus on that one spot on the wall. And I think that that is kind of, I think that's a little bit what you, what you, you need don't want to, to do. Drift. Yeah. You want to stay focused for yeah. sure. Um, one last question. We'll move to the speed round. Since Myers and Chang opening your, your new restaurant, I feel, feel like this is the, like the, since the time you can call yourself an owner or a partner, how have you most transformed over that time? I don't know. I think transformation is, is such a hard thing to talk about when it is one yourself Right. And two, you know, because it happens so slowly, you're like, I don't know, I'm just the person I've always been. Um, so I think that those things are 
they're harder to see in yourself. I think it's easier to look at other people and see their transformations. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that when I started at Myers and Chang, that was my first, like in the States, that was my my first chef job. So I was not only learning how to really run my own kitchen and be a chef and really find my own strong voice in the food that I was making, my point of view, and all of those things. And when I left, I left knowing how to do a lot more than that. And as you move on, there's a, there's a difference between that place and, and being a business owner and all of the challenges in between and how you get there. And I, I think that that's probably a lot of the growth. Beautiful. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway. I've loved this conversation. You've been a blast. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. If you listen to Restaurant Unstoppable, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. There are two things that you need to let determine your growth. The first thing, that's people. The second thing, that's cash flow. And we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because I'm working with cashflowtool.com, the ultimate cloud-based solution for your business. Cashflowtool.com is simple, powerful, and predictive. It's simple because it requires no data entry. It's always up to date and it works on any device, anywhere. It's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar, activity feed, and anomaly detector, you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises. And it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow. Head over to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and you'll receive pro features at the essential features price. All right, I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you will get three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success you mentioned it earlier i did i think so my tenacity yes yes (laughs) (laughs) i was like crap what is it yeah my my tenacity i think so um i think that that serves you it's it's has served me really really well um it doesn't get you everywhere you know it's like when you when you're like muscle something up and you're like "Ah, i can't really listen but i'm gonna muscle it up uh that's where tenacity get you hanging a little bit longer than everybody else yeah and the next question is what is your biggest weakness and you also mentioned that tenacity 
could be your biggest weakness. Do you still feel that way after this, this, no, having this conversation? I mean, no, I mean, I, I think that anything that is a strength can also double as exactly. a weakness, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's always, it's, you should always be careful to, um, to look at those things. You know, you can stay too long in something because you're really committed yeah. to make it work. Like whether it's a relationship or a job or something like I'm going to, I'm going to force this to work. I'm going to hang it until it works. And sometimes that's just not the case. You need to let go. Mm-hmm. So I always try and look at it, look at it that way. Um, I, I would, again, I would say my, my weakness is also a strength, but you know, I, uh, order control organization, all of those things I think are things that make me a great chef, but I think are also, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, having that kind of personality is sometimes hard for, for other folks that are around you and so you have other, to be aware. Yeah. So other people yeah. who have this like extreme attention to detail and order and structure, how you, how do you cope with knowing that this is a weakness of yours? How do you control or counter that? I mean, I said it could be a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you just have to be aware that everybody is different. Gotcha. Um, and you need to be willing to say that that's not something that's innate. I'm never going to be the person that walks down that, that hallway and doesn't pick up the piece of garbage on the floor. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that if somebody else walked by it, that they chose to ignore it. Maybe they chose to ignore it. Maybe they didn't see it. Exactly. So maybe that piece isn't innate, but then you have to, you have to be willing to walk by the piece of garbage every single time and say, Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you pick that up? Yeah. What is one question you ask or thing that you look for when you're building your team during the interview process? What do you want? Mm. Yeah. We dive into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my thing. Who are you? What do you want? Where do you want to go? What is your biggest challenge today? This very day, this Tuesday or what? Whatever day of the week it is, (laughs) Um, you know, my challenge is just is is getting getting the restaurant open and getting the restaurant ready. So there's a million things going on all the time. You know, we're getting all of our licensing in place. We're waiting for our liquor license. Um, So you're dealing with all that kind of paperwork, making decisions about kitchen equipment and design and, you know, all of those things and and the bumps that come up all the time. How do you balance it? How do you balance it? I'm not sure. Um, the best you can, you, you know, I try and I try to be careful with my schedule. I actually tend to pack some days really, really full so that I can have lighter other days instead of having a medium amount of things to do seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so in person things, I'll stack it like I stack today really, really full from nine in the morning until nine tonight. But tomorrow, my day will be a little bit easier, you know, and maybe I'll just be catching up on all of my emails and writing checks tomorrow. I think that kind of reflects back to what we discussed earlier with taking time for yourself, stacking yourself to go hard, but also having that time, the days where you're not so hard so you can regroup and recenter and manage. Yeah. And for me, if I have three things to do every day, that's going to feel like more. I'm going to be able to get less done actually than if I have a really full day, a less full day, a really full day, a really full day, a less full day or whatever it is. Got you. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. A way to be, a way to act, a core value. Respect. Dig it. What is your biggest, or sorry, share one uncommon standard of service you teach your team. This is something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry. Oh gosh. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's common within the, within the industry. What's a standard of service that you just, that is important to you? 
Um, standard of service that's important to me is, is just, is connecting with your guests. I mean, for me, it's checking on every table. It's, you know, for me personally, you know, I make sure that I am, am touching tables. I'm talking to guests. I'm getting feedback from them. And, you know, and that for me is incredibly important, not just cooking the food. What's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner? Um, you know, I think that for so many people, setting the table is just a benchmark yeah. of, of the restaurant business. Cool. Uh, is there a one tool or resource that you wish you had now or wish you had when you're getting started that you, you're just missing? One tool or resource, so many tools and resources. Um, you know, just the, the knowledge of, of, you know, doing it the second time, I think is probably a lot easier than doing it the first time. Just the knowledge of how to, how to kind of get everything done and what needed to be done. Yeah. Okay. What is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't know well enough or do often enough? relying on your staff, not in the way to show up for work and do a good job, but like, what do they need? What do our guests need? And I think that your, your staff is really able to, to tell you those things. I, you know, I would say it all the time. I'd create a new dish and I'd say, okay, let's serve this with a spoon, but you guys let me know if it's superfluous or if we need to do something else. So I think getting that, that feedback from your staff, I think that's really, really valuable and not just being in your own head and saying, these are the things that I want and how I want them done. Certainly there are right. Those core contact values, but, but really getting the feedback and being able to adapt from that. All right. This is the last question. It's a doozy. So get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the Mm. exception of three things that you could leave behind for your legacy and for the good of humanity. Three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind things, you know, to be true. What would they be about restaurants or about life? Both. Anything that comes to mind. Oh God. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure anything that when you own a restaurant, it kind of becomes your life <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would certainly <laughs> I would certainly not hope that was that was yeah. my legacy. I mean, I just think, like I said before, it's it's respect each other, treat everybody with, with as as much respect as you want to be treated, right? Like yep. golden rule. Um, yeah. What else? I don't know. Um, my work ethic, I think, is what's always really been valuable to me. So I think in anything, you know, you you work as hard as you can work and and you just and you do it because you you want to do it, not because you have to do it. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's three right there. You know, <laughs> trust, trust, work ethic and doing it because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, those are those are important things. Awesome. Karen, this has been a great conversation. Seriously, I've loved every second of it. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. Oh, calling somebody out? Yeah. Who do you respect and admire in this industry and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? Oh, Cassie Pioma. Cassie, look out. I'm coming after you. (laughs) And uh, let the folks know how we can follow you. Maybe we want to come join your team. Maybe we want to be mentored by you. Maybe we just want to see how this new project unfolds. What's the best way to connect? Um, best way to connect? Follow me on Instagram. Um, I, my Instagram, yeah, my Instagram handle is Karen Cake, okay. K A R E N C A K E, and my the restaurant handle uh, the handle for uh, the restaurant is Fox and Knife. Beautiful. I'll have those links in the show notes. This is episode five hundred and fifty. Oh my god, five hundred and fifty! That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash five five zero. You can find a summary of today's discussion plus the links in uh, con- ways to connect 
with Karen all over there. Again, Karen, just thank you so much for taking the time out of your super busy schedule right now, trying to open this restaurant to sit with me, to share your knowledge, your stories, your mentorship. There is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Cheers. Man, that was an awesome conversation. Jeff Karen Konowitz is just a little ball of fury. You could feel the passion coming off her today in this conversation. It was some great stuff. I mean, where do we even begin? Some So many bombs of knowledge being dropped. I think the big one that really resonated with me is um, something that kind of just kept on coming up. Karen, she follows her gut. She listens to her gut and she... And she takes that intuition and she does what her gut's telling her when it came to um, diving into the the culinary industry, going to culinary school, uh, going to Italy and just listening to her intuition and also being very specific, being very concise. Uh, she said that she pays attention to the details. How much time can I save today? How can I be intentional and deliberate? Uh it's finding that balance between listening to your gut and being super intentional and super strategic. And all that was coming out in today's conversation. I think the other thing that came out in today's conversation, uh, one thing that I just really love the advice that really struck a core with me when you're looking to build your team and you're bringing new people onto your, your team, Start by asking what they want. Figure out what they need. Figure out what what their intentions are. And if you can really just stop and collect that data and exist to care for other people and help them achieve what they're trying to to achieve, watch the magic happen. Watch how they start to exist to help you achieve what you want to achieve. And, man, just so many great things. Also, the importance of getting that clarity uh, and having that vision. But really, that clarity only comes from getting out there and taking chances and experiencing life and finding out what really matters to you. And again, you can only do that by getting out there, taking chances, listening to your cut and experience, listening to your guts and experiencing as much as you possibly can. Awesome stuff. All right, guys, like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Tell me what your challenges are. Like anything, any questions you have, let me have them. If I don't have the answers, I know somebody who does. And if I don't know somebody, I will go out there and find them. I will make sure I know them so I can get the answers for you. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. But the best way to serve this podcast is to make sure other people know about it. Share this resource with your team. Share this resource with your colleagues. Anything you can do to spread the word, thank you in advance. All right, guys, that's all for today. Thank you so much for hanging around this long. I love you all, and until next time, peace out.